Hello everybody and welcome. We are now up to episode 10 of My Fancy Zamboni podcast in a week where the Belfast Giants beat the Cardiff Devils 8-1. Uh, the Belfast Giants beat the Nottingham Panthers 4-0 to make a good bid for their uh, for their league campaign. And the Sheffield Steelers got a 6-1 victory against the Stars. It's just three of the fixtures that have gone by so far. Um, we are back to normal again as we say hello to Dave as he's now back from his jollies in New York. Hello, Dave. Good evening, Joe. Good evening, everyone else. Glad to be back. It's good to have you back. Good to see the Pens lose the playoffs in New York. Yeah, 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 whatever. And, and, and the Sabres. <laughs> Let's not forget the Sabres. <laughs> Oh, we'll, we'll move on to them. That's that's fine. I'll start first as you open the conversation. <laughs> and talking about the Sabres, we are also joined by the toothless wonder that is Mr. Gareth Dutton. Who's Gareth Dutton? It's fresh. <laughs> Hello, by the way. Who the hell is Gareth Dutton? And last but not least, we are joined by the man whose ceiling we can currently see on a video chat and not his face, Mr. Andy Stafford. Good evening. Good evening. So, gents, uh, a lot of fixtures to talk about. A lot more if you are Dave, but it's okay. We've covered the uh, the last couple of weeks, so you're not um, we're not going to be catching up on the last three weeks of action. Um, so, last week's worth of games. Dave, we'll uh, we'll start with you as it's your uh, as it's your debut episode back. What were your highlights? Um, two for me. You you can't ignore the the Cardiff Belfast scoreline. Um, that was a, a game built up as a, a title rivals, see how they, they shape up, and, and Belfast just walked him. Um, they're on a, an immense run of form at the moment, Belfast, um, and all of it on the road. Um, they're, they're, they're playing some good hockey at the moment. It's led them very well going into the Continental Cup that start this weekend, in fact, tonight, but the, on Thursday as we were recording it. Um, and they did well, 8-1. You go to places like Cardiff and win 8-1, you've done something well. Um, so that was a great result. And also, um, the Sheffield-Guildford game, um, that kind of went back and forth, back and forth. For you. I, relying on Twitter for, for hockey scores is weird. Um, so when the phone kept flashing up, goal, goal, goal. Missed a good game or defence was just ignored. Um, but, uh, you know, Guildford are, uh, we've mentioned a number of times, a team that's just quietly on the outskirts and are dangerous, you know, the team to watch. Their first, if I've read right, their first ever victory at the Sheffield Arena. Um, and, you know, 11, 11 goals could have been too bad a, a bit of entertainment. Um, but um, it was also good to see Sheffield score goals, um, but they haven't done it, sort of, especially at the beginning of the season, getting the goals in. Um, so it's good to see. Yeah, no, uh, definitely, definitely, and in fairness as well, the uh, the six five win for the Flames should set it up nicely to go into the Conti Cup draw as well for them. Obviously, they are drawn against each other um, for the Continental Cup quarterfinals. Um, may even bode well in Sheffield's favour. In fairness, I think um, obviously the the Flames have won the last few games, may lure them into a bit more of a sense of security. Um, anyway, um, moving on, Gref, what were your highlights? My highlights are. Uh... Well, as Greg has mentioned, the 6-5 game with the Guildford Sheffield, following that on Twitter, as a neutral, it seemed really good. The other end, for me, going all the way up, us being Storm, going all the way up to 5 and only losing 3-2, I was more than happy with that. 
it could have been a a lot worse considering last time we went up there we got our pants pulled down basically. <laughs> yeah, in fairness, the Flyers are a uh, are a bit of a force, and obviously they certainly were at the start of the season. So getting any result against them or keeping it close to them in fairness is a decent result. Um, Andy, what what do you reckon? Have you have you got any others that you uh, that you draw out? Or do you do you agree with uh, with with Dave and Greff, or have you got any others that stood out for you? Yeah, I completely agree. It was a few of us that stood out as well, but there was one uh, particular moment in that Steelers Guildford game is when um, the Ferns are on the power play uh, and it's basically five and four. Uh, then um, the Steelers drew a penalty. Uh, Jackson left the ice. Uh, an extra Zaka came on, and there was thirty seconds left on the Steelers penalty. And what Steelers did so well is they kept the puck in their own zone until that clock wound down and the player was out of box, and then that's when they attacked. And that for me is a really, really good. Uh, is it a coaching, coach element, or, or just players being really, really smart? Uh, but altogether, just a really, really smart play, and uh, it was great to watch, and and it was just a fantastic game. Uh, but there was another one as well for me, uh, which was the Guildford Nottingham Panthers game. Uh, it's great to see Bricks on the score sheet, and uh, there was goals from Ben Davies, uh, Oli Betteridge. Uh, also an assist for Betteridge and three assists for Robert, Robert Farmer so it's great to see the Brits going on the score sheet Yeah, definitely yeah, definitely always nice to see um, for me, I think it was it was mainly in fairness, it was it was the Belfast Giants really taking the weekend by storm um, say 4-0 win against the Panthers 8-1 win against the Devils uh, and it, it isn't exactly two, two bottom end teams either, you know, taking on two of the problem Two of probably the, the the highest contenders for the league, and and demolishing them both. I mean, particularly getting that eight one win in Cardiff, um, but certainly making a good bid for the league. And uh, again, Flyers as well five four win against Devils in overtime, so a good win for them there. And then obviously CC Segrev, think obviously a tight game between yourselves, but a three two win for the Flyers. Again, making a bid to stay up high in the in the tables. It's uh, certainly been a few clashes. This weekend, which is which has been good, you know, you don't always see, you know, it's always the the the, the good ones, are the Devils, Flyers, Devils, Panthers games, particularly when they're all at the top, and and obviously they've all kind of fallen on the same week, um, but yeah, no, I think they were my my, my main highlights in fairness. Um, moving on from the fixtures to what's been going on over the weeks, um, there's been a few changes, Dave. Um, yeah, we'll um, start uh, in Cardiff. Um, one of their big signings at the beginning of the season, Ben Blood, uh, got a lucrative offer and wanted to come turn down in Finland with uh, Tapera Tampera. Um, so he, he gets a great gig there, one of the, the big franchises in uh, Finland. Cardiff didn't hang around. They managed to secure the services of GB uh, player Ever Mosey who everyone knows with two since in Nottingham. Um, Wood did start the season in Herning, but for whatever reason um, has decided to leave them and go to the current league champions. So as big a loss as Ben Blood is, and he were a really, really good player, they've, they've done well in uh, getting the services of Evan Mosey. Yeah, it's, it, it's been interesting. Um you know, obviously them losing Ben Blood, as you say, was a, was a big loss. I mean, he, was a, he, he played 12 games for them, seven points as a defenceman, ended up with a plus two over those 12 games. So certainly a strong player and, and a guy that often stood out when he played on the ice. Um, 
as you say, I mean, in fairness, can't, can't always turn down, um, you know, an offer to go to the Liga. Obviously, he's, he's been playing, he's played in the Liga, um, played for Pelicans for two years, um, played for Asat for the year before he came to Cardiff. And now, obviously, as you say, he's gone to Tapara as well. Um, so, yeah, certainly not a, uh, you know, not an offer that he could turn down. Gref, do, do you think it's a good replacement, though? Do you think they've, they've gone like for like? Do you think it's an upgrade or do you think it's a slight step down? I just think it's pretty much a it's a decent side him getting Evan Morley back. He knows the league well. He's proved time and time again that he, he knows how to score in this league. He's been a defenseman as well. Can also it'll help because he can play defence and forward. So you get a, an injury to someone like, for example, Joey Martin. They'll just put him up, up front if they've got enough D cover. I think it's a great signing for them. I mean, obviously losing Benny Blood. It, that would have, from what I saw on Twitter, that hurt a lot of Cardiff fans. I mean, he did play brilliantly in the Champions Hockey League as well. He's shown he, he can play in the top European Hockey Leagues. But getting someone in that knows the league well will know what to do, how to do it in this league. Wonderful. Yeah, they certainly papered over the gaps. Uh, papered over the gaps quickly. For me, slight step down. Um, I think the fact that Mosey, you know, I, I don't know. I always think when you look at the stats of players that have kind of been in and out of the league, it, it's it can always be fifty fifty. You can end up seeing them come back and they have a, a a great season, and you start to think, yeah, I'm glad they've come back. Or other times they come back and you know. They come back with a bit of egg on their face. It's not worked out. Obviously, we don't know the reason that he's, that he's left Herning. Um, and it may have just been personal reasons. It may have just been that he wanted to come back over here. It may have been that it just didn't work out for him over there. I mean, he had 15 games and nine points. So, you know, it wasn't looking too shoddy. Um, but I'd be interested to see the reasons that he left there. But I don't know. I think it could go one of one or two ways. But he's coming for two games for Cardiff already. Um He's got a point in those two games, so he's obviously coming out and uh, coming out strong with a plus two as well in those two games. Andy, what what was your impression when they signed him? Did you um did you think that they'd replaced well? Did you think it was a like for like or as it same same question as 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 to Gref really? Did you think it was a step down or an upgrade or did you just think it was a solid um you know a solid like for like replacement? I think it was uh, more like for like. I mean, uh, it's, it's in my second. Just a bit of time you know, to settle back into the league and uh, uh, and everything. Just get to know, to know his new teammates. You no, know, just just that gelling aspect really. But um, again, I do think he's a good signing. Uh, it, it's sad to see Ben Blue go. He's a great player. He's great things for Cardiff and his band there. But uh, you know, you, you can't turn down an offer to go to to a league like the La Liga. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's a good signing, and uh, I'm sure we'll see great things from Mosey. Yeah, absolutely. I don't have any doubt about that. Whether or not he has a, a top season or or a slightly a slightly lesser season by his standards, I'm certainly not doubting the fact that we're going to see some good things from him. Um, Gref, the Panthers have also made a signing to uh, to add some stability, maybe, or to add some extra bodies into their ranks. You want to tell us a little bit more? Yeah, the the person they've signed is Marek Tetherum. Is been in this league before, played for Edinburgh Capitals last season. Played well, eight, 15 games, 8 goals, 7 assists. 
in a Capitals team that wasn't the strongest. He's still pretty good. I mean, he, he then went on to Slovakia. Got 22 points in 31 games. This season doesn't seem to have started off the best, but who knows what's happened whilst he's been in the Arts Hockey League or in the VHL. He, he looks like he's had a, a great junior career, but as we mentioned last last week, junior careers to pro can have a lot of difference. Yeah, they certainly, they certainly can. Dave, is, is it difficult to read the stats of a player that's jumped about so many teams? I mean, you look at his stats over the last two seasons, 15 games for Edinburgh, 31 games for uh, Zelina, and then obviously he's four games in the BHL, six games in the Alps Hockey League, and then he comes back to the Elite League to play for Nottingham. Is it a bit more difficult to read when they've not just played a, a block of games for the same team? can be sometimes especially with the the leagues that you've mentioned that he's, he's played in the you know if you can't settle um and especially in leagues like the vhl which are due to the traveling uh, the length of traveling you some you know some just can't settle um they'll want to go to like an alps league which is a lot less traveling a lot more condensed so you know it, it's difficult to kind of gauge the um the stats of a player um but you know his, his junior stats look decent and, and a lot of players sort of years ago so like especially i don't know he's not a fire but a lot of the fires were all hang on we're signing but he could he did this years ago and it was all about and it proved rather actually if you have the stats juniors it kind of tends to look like you know more often than not they would pan out when you're playing the role of someone who needs to get points um so you know it it, it, it answer your question it is difficult sometimes um, especially when we move around the, and the type of leagues you move around to um, but you know this kid has experience of the Elite League um, it's, it's a decent pick up for the Panthers yeah sure, it certainly is and, and you know they've, they've shown their ability um, to pick up players to cover whether it's covering for injuries whether it's just getting the extra bodies um, I mean in fairness in terms of form we could argue that the Panthers have dropped off a little bit more than, than maybe at the start of the season they looked in a very stable position at first until you looked at the amount of games that they played because uh, I think at one point there were four or five games in front of everybody else and that kind of gave a bit of a, a skewed kind of picture of the league. So I don't know whether they're bringing in players to kind of cover and to, to step up the game or whether they're covering for injuries. Um, Andy, similar kind of question as, as to Dave. I mean, it, you know, it, it can it can often work out with players that, that move around a little bit. I mean, you see... Uh, the one that sticks out to my mind was the signing of Jeff Walker for the Steelers a, a couple of seasons ago, uh, and he was a guy that hasn't stayed for the same team, you know, for a number of years and was was moving between two or three teams every season. Uh, and this guy looks looks to be very similar. What what was your impression when you when you saw that they'd signed him? Did you remember him from Edinburgh? Was it a case that you looked at his stats and 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 thought this is a good signing, or what? What was your impression? I do remember from Edinburgh, and uh, from what I saw, uh, was, was a really good player, made a big impact on on the team that was struggling. Um, but as you mentioned, since 2013, um, he has played for 12 teams in seven countries, uh, and also he's, he's played for more than two teams uh, since 2013 as well in a single season. So it makes you wonder, do you think he will fit back into the league because he's been hanging around in Edinburgh long, or do you think... You know, it, it'll be a good signing, but uh, for me, I'm, I'm not quite sure if he'll be able to to step in Nottingham or if he'll be soon moving on again. 
Yeah, it's true. And it's uh, for me, I don't know, it, it seems a lot more rare as well to see a guy drafted um, fairly early doors as well. I mean, 2011, he was drafted in the fourth round, 115th overall by Detroit. So to see a guy moving around so much, you know, less than 10 years further down the line, does seem a little bit odd. But, you know, yeah, as, as you say, if he can't settle, then he can't settle. But we'll we'll have to see. He's coming back round to the Elite League again. We'll have to see if he finds it easier to settle this time round. Um Andy, we'll stick with you. There's been a couple of changes in Milton Keynes as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, it has. Um, they have released uh, Doug Mackay of his coaching duties. Uh, and, well, they've not had a great start uh, so far. They've brought in a new, uh, few new players, uh, but that didn't seem to have an effect. So they uh, have part, part of ways with uh, Doug Mackay. Um, again, the same as Paul Thompson. Uh, it, it was announced as uh, personal circumstances uh, and they brought in a, uh, a guy from the MK Thunder, I think it is, from, from the NIHL, uh, which is the second division, uh, is, is like an interim coach. Um, I'm not sure on, on how he'll do, but uh, from the last game, uh, they won by a great scoreline and uh, yeah, I, feel, I think it'll be good for interim. Uh, but uh, may see if they'll bring someone in for the full-time coaching position. Uh, they've also brought in uh, Harry Ferguson from the Peter of Phantoms. Uh, he played for Edinburgh uh, for the last two years. Uh, he's, a, he's a really good player. I've been played uh, Borky with him in the GB uh, under twenties a few years ago. Uh, I think it's, it's a good sort of under twenty-three signing. Uh, I, I think there's room for him to grow and. Uh, I think in a few years' time, he'll, he'll, he'll be up there in, in the likes of uh, Ben Davies, Rob Farmer, Robert Dowd. Uh, so he, he has got somewhere to go, but I think it's a great signing for the future. Yeah, it's certainly good to see um, all the younger players coming through the ranks. It's certainly happening a lot more in the league, and, and we've seen a few more of these breakthrough younger signings. Um, Dave, you, you look at the Milton Keynes last... Uh, the Milton Keynes? The Milton Keynes Lightning, even, last year... Um, and the kind of form that they started out with, they, they set off very, very strong and then kind of hit a bit of a rut and dropped from there about mid-season. I think they hit, hit a few injury problems and it caused them a bit of trouble. I mean, this year they've just not had the start to the season that they would have wanted at all, have they really? They haven't. Um, ignoring the, the opening day winning Sheffield, they've, they've just kind of done nothing. Um, apart from the odd result here and there, I mean, last night was their first winning in nine games. Um, so that kind of tells you the story that they've had this year. They are bottom and they, they just haven't looked, un- before Wednesday night, they haven't looked like doing anything out there else but be the 11th team, even so you even could say, you know, end of the season, they'll be there. So it, it, it's a strange one because the guy had a good resume. He, he coached in decent leagues, did well in decent leagues. So like with, like with players, sometimes it just doesn't work and it looks like it hasn't worked in Milton Keynes and, you know, if he gets a, another coach gig somewhere this year, you know, you wish him well. But Miller Keane's probably like the Sheffield, probably the right time to make the change. Um, interesting com- comment on one of the, um, the hockey blogs I read this, mo- this morning was about the, has the, the, the football culture of bad results, we need to change coach now, kind of crept in, um, which, you know, we could have that discussion afterwards. But... It's probably about time for Milton Keynes to make the change. It depends who they bring in because they have lots of good players. Um, we know four of them. 
Um, I mean, myself, Joe, and Nash, in terms of Sheffield, from with Aldix, Neely, Wallace, and, and Cole. Um, so they've got the tools; they can make the playoffs. They've just got to get something working. Start well and went last night. Um, good win against uh, Glasgow. So you just have to see how it goes. Um, but you know, that's the, the the only thing they've really done this year. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it's true, and I, I think. In fairness, it, it seems to be adding up to making the league a lot more competitive. Um, obviously, I mean, a lot of the time you'd see the teams that kind of got stuck in a rut and they just kind of stay in that rut or they'd wait until they got out of it. Now, it's actively trying to change that. And for the first time ever, we're seeing 20 games into the season and it's the coaches isn't, isn't producing, the coaches are putting the points on the board. It's the coach that's going, and that was quite an unseen thing, I think, up until this season, really. Gref, what what do you think? To I mean, you, we we all sat and watched the, the Steelers going to turmoil as they didn't start the season very well. Um, we said possibly something down to the fact that the Steelers have got that that winning mentality, and 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 the the fans are are expecting to win every game that they can. I mean, Milton Keynes came in last season. It, it's it kind of puts a bit of perspective in when you see that kind of team making the same change. It yeah, it didn't look like it was great for them. I mean, starting off, they apart from having that great game against you guys, they start, just hit injury after injury after injury straight away. I mean, we did as well, but thankfully we got all of it much sooner than they did, and we've been able to at least get a few wins. Unfortunately, they haven't. Not through lack of trying, because from some of the games, even when they played against Storm, or I've watched them on uh, like their highlights, they're actually they are doing well to try. It just not wasn't happening. It's unfortunate that he's had to leave the club. Obviously, of course, through it was pretty much him saying, "Yeah, I need to go. I've got personal problems." Which never good to see, but these things happen in hockey. These happen, things happen in life in general. So wish him all the best. Hopefully, he gets when he gets into a new club, it goes well for him. And whoever they pick, it goes well for them as well in the league. Hopefully, Milton Keynes do get a few more wins now. Now they've got they've got the win at the back. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. It might have just been a case of getting a monkey off the back. Obviously, um, you know, a change in coaching, whether or not it's it's made by the club or whether it's it, you know, it's the coach's decision. As he said, due to personal reasons. Either way, it's certainly going to help them refresh and uh, and maybe start a bit of a clean slate, which is which is possibly what they needed um, as a team. But anyway, moving on from our domestic league uh, and following the Belfast Giants a little bit. Um, Dave, tonight the Belfast Giants played their first Continental Cup game. Do you want to give us a bit of a rundown of that? Uh, yeah, so um, as Sheffield last year, uh, the Belfast Giants entered the Continental Cup, which for those who aren't aware of it, it's kind of like foot, sorry, hockey's Europa League, um, obviously the second um, tournament behind the CHL. Um, and quick format, two groups um, in the semi-final stage, the top two going to the final, um, years before, you used to know who hosted the final, but because now the winner of the Continental Cup has a right to play in the CHL, you now don't know the host till three weeks after, uh, or something like that, after the, the semi-finals. So 
in Belfast group who are hosting it, they have um, Zagreb, uh, Medvedev, former of the KHL, now with the EBBL. They have Katowice from Poland, who were uh, the previous two years the Poland's representative in the CHL, and a team that Sheffield are uh, know of due to their to beating them in the final stage last year, Renon, um, of the Alps League. And tonight, Belfast have had the, for me, the tougher of the three games, and they've started very, very well with a 4 0 victory against Zagreb. Um, so they really only need to beat one of the other teams, and they should be through to the Super Final in January. Yeah, certainly, uh, certainly a very strong start for the Giants. Griff, uh, I mean, based on the two games that have happened today, as Dave says, Giants beating Zagreb 4 0, uh, and then Katowice getting a 4 0 win against Renon. Uh, they certainly look to be two front runners. Yeah, uh, they certainly look to be two front runners in the Continental Cup this year so far. Certainly in that round, should I say? Yeah, they just seem to be those two going ahead. Both were on four no, four no victories. That's going to be tough for for Zagreb and Renault when they play the next games. It's they're going to want to win to just try and get further. They're going to want to, obviously, Belfast, brilliant. I mean, I'm looking at the, the scores as well. You had Vandermeer, Lewis Hook, Joyner and Patrick Dwyer. That was, to see someone like Lewis Hook get on the scoreline against their, a former KHL team is brilliant considering I watched him when he was just coming up in the, the former EPL league, which is great as a, watching him his play develop. I mean for Belfast, that's gonna be brilliant for when they the next play. Yeah, certainly gives them that confidence going forward. Andy, um we were in a similar position last year in terms of being in the Continental Cup. We didn't necessarily have as good a start as Belfast did. You know, does it does it give them really that that much more of a, an advantage having that first win in the tournament? Does it does it take that bit of pressure off them, particularly being the hosts? I think it does. Yeah, I mean, the first game is always the one. Well, how is this going to go? We've, you know, we've, we've not played in this tournament before. We've not played this team before. How are they going to be? But they've approached it really well. You know, the the confidence they've got from the last few games, especially that against uh, Cardiff. Uh, it's a team brimming with confidence, but also brimming with a really good solid four lines. Uh, as mentioned, Lewis Hook as well, one of the, one of the Brits um, for the team, doing really well, putting up points. Uh, and that's fantastic to see. And I think it, it's going to be uh, a tale of the season, really. But I think we're going to see Lewis Hook score many goals in the, in the Elite, League, Elite League this year. Uh, but for right, we've got a very deep roster. And... Uh, I think they could definitely win this tournament. Yeah, well, it would certainly be good to see them be the uh, the, third, the third team that will be making it through to the final in a row from, from the Elite League. Um, yes, it would be. Um, yeah. They had not two years ago, um, but went on to win it. Uh, Sheffield last year, uh, all being well. Next year, Belfast met the final. Yeah, yeah, certainly be uh, certainly be good to see. Um, I'll ask this to all four of you then, just to kind of round up the, the Continental Cup kind of chat for the time being. Obviously, we'll keep it as a bit of an ongoing thread throughout the episode. We'll kind of track the uh, the progress of, of Belfast going through. But um, I'll ask this to, to all, well, I said all four of you, then all three of you. Um, last year, obviously, I mean, 
Dave, yourself, Andy, and uh, and myself, we were all lucky enough to get over to Copenhagen to see the Steelers play, and it really was an an away trip to write home about, for um for want of a better phrase, um. The Giants obviously getting a huge advantage in having it in Belfast this year. Um, as fans, both of the team and of the hockey as a whole, would you rather see it in your own city or would you rather travel abroad to see it for the full event and the full experience? As a fan and a fan only, you want to go away, you want to see new places, you want to experience different hockey cultures. But if you look at it from a hockey perspective and how tough the Continental Cup has got in the last two years alone, um, you know, the teams that were in the, the semi-finals last year were at a higher standard than the year before where Nottingham won it. And that's not saying, you know, they got easy. You couldn't beat what's in front of you. But the standard has got better over the past two years. Um you want that home advantage. You want every advantage you can get. Um, you know, they, they, Belfast qualify, let's just say, they may hope big and not get the final. So they may go to, uh, they may get a chance to go to Belarus, France, Kazakhstan, or whoever comes out of the group um, in Belfast. So the, the, the opportunity is there for that experience. But if you, you look at it from a, how can we go to win this? I think the head will be saying, host it, host it and host it especially with that big prize, not just winning the Cup, but that place in the CHL. If Belfast was to win the Conti Cup, I guarantee you they'll, they'll be given the, the, the green stamp from the CHL to participate. Um, so they'll want it, and I, that's, that's how I'd stand on it. You won the experience. We've done it luckily a few times at Joe and Andy. They're great trips. They, they're wonderful, and you talk about them for years and years afterwards. But for the end goal, you, you will want to host it. Yeah, Andy Greff, what what do you think? Do you agree with Dave, or would you rather be uh, making the away day, the away, the away travel? I totally agree with, with Dave on this. As a a fan, yeah, you do want to go abroad. You want to see the different places, the hockey culture, see what it's like over there, see how it compares to the culture back home. But then, hockey itself, you're like, yeah, I want this at home because. You want your team to have the best advantage, and what's better to have the advantage than home ice? Yeah, Andy, what do you think? Do you agree? Totally agree, hundred percent. I think anyone would love to see their team win it on home ice and to get that CHL spot. They'd just love to be there for a moment with everyone else, you know, just enjoying it for what it is. And uh, but again, for me, Copenhagen, the trip to Copenhagen was. Probably the best holiday I think I've ever had, to be honest. Uh, and I, I don't think I'd change that for the world. So I'm I'm start I'm starting really leaning towards going away because it's, it's not just hockey you get to see. It's a great city. It's uh, tourist attractions. It's um, you know, uh, fans being having a few drinks and seeing them <laughs> like you've never seen them before. Uh, so yeah, I, I do like going abroad and watching. I'm, I'm watching them in, in some great cities against some really good teams. So yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna side with Andy on this one. I, I I agree. Obviously, on the hockey side of things, it gives you that great advantage of playing at home. But personally, if I was to, if I was the one that was making the decision, and, and somebody said to me right now, 
as unbelievable it is at the moment. Somebody said to me right now, the Steelers are going to be playing in the Conti Cup next season. You've got to make the decision, do you play away or do you play in Sheffield? I, I'd go away every day of the week. I really would. I mean, as, as Andy says, I mean, Copenhagen was fantastic. Salzburg for the CHL was brilliant the year before. Slightly different, obviously, in the CHL, you only get to see that one game. So I do think the Conti Cup, in terms of, of the event and the weekend, um, you know, was, was probably a, a better event. I mean, Salzburg was nice, and the, the it was still a great trip to Salzburg, but obviously it was just a bit shorter. Um, but no, I, as much as I agree there's, there's a big benefit to playing in your home barn, I'd, I'd still choose to play it away in that kind of context, just because the whole event, the whole trip, and the whole tournament was was just fantastic. But it also depends on how, how well teams host it. Um, you know, we got lucky that Rungstead really did put on a good show. Um, uh, and be, being in different Conti Cup weekends with the Steelers, out of the four I've been to, that was the best hosted. Um, Grenoble didn't really put a show on. Herning didn't really put a show on. Bolzano didn't really put a show on. Rungstead did. Um, so I, I, I agree in the context of it's they are great weekends. Whatever you go to watch your club, your country away, it's great. It's it's an experience and it's something you you do talk about for for, for time on end. It just depends on what the what you value more. Do you value that experience or what the team then goes? But you know, there's no wrong answer in that. In fairness, um, they're in. I don't think. Yeah. It just depends on yeah, what no, your outlook is. Absolutely no, I completely agree. As I say, I mean, I see both sides of it, and I completely, you're completely right. As you say, I mean, Rungstead were fantastic at hosting. Um, I mean, all the way down to the security staff. Um, so, you know, we we really did get a good draw from that. But it is hard going from Copenhagen to 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 see anything, any other things. You know, when you when you're looking at it and thinking, but I have it at home or away. Following Copenhagen, it is hard to see any other any other. You know, any other way forward for me, other than other than that away trip. But I, I, I completely agree. You, you do totally. You know, it is, it is totally dependent on where it is and, and how they host. Um, but moving back domestically, a topic that became very taboo um, across the elite league as a whole, but particularly across Sheffield, is Paul Thompson. Obviously, it you know Sheffield kind of clinged on to the um, to the headlines for a long time in the elite league at the start of the season. Paul Thompson was one of the uh, one of the front runners for that, and it obviously resulted in him leaving the Sheffield Steelers for personal reasons. Um, Dave, he's 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 now moved on to uh, to to new pastures. Yeah, he's gone to um, Shvetta Wild Wings. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, but he's gone to the DEL um, for a coach who didn't know what he was doing. Was so behind the times. He's now got a head coaching role in one of the most progressive hockey countries in the world. Yeah, what do we know as fans? Eh? But no, you know, on a serious point, um, it's great for Paul um, to get a, a, a team in a division like that. And I've started well tonight, um, an overtime win um, against the current DL champions, Red Bull Munich. Um, 3-2, I believe, scoreline. So he started well, power play goal. Um, it's, it's everything that's happened that weren't happening in Sheffield. Uh, but it's 4-3, was it? Okay, thank you, um, uh, Gref. Um, I've always got a good start. So, no, I'm glad for him in, in the context of he's got a job that's, that shows the talent that he has. And for a league like the DEL or a team in the DEL to recognise that and want to offer him the head role shows what he's about. Um, it's also a good sort of feather in the cap for British coaches. Um, you know, the first British coach in the DEL. So it's now we've got a coach in 
one of the top European leagues. So it's it kind of breaking that threshold. So you know, for me, it's it's a win-win situation across the board. He now is back in in the game in a league that's a very good league. Um, in Europe, you know, okay, um, Schwenner are struggling at the moment, but you know, it's plenty of hockey to be played. So he, he could turn around and get him into uh, the playoffs. And it's also um, more of a league that will allow him to develop the team, where because obviously they obviously the DL is more about the playoffs. So you can afford to chip in. And move, change your goalies um, back and forth. Um, one of the things he said on one of the coaching nights he hosted was, "You never had use the same netminder if you went back to back, because the league were more so important. Whereas in other leagues in Europe, like the DEL, it's about your playoff spot. So you can actually allow all your players to develop. So I think he's going to. It's a better league for his style of coaching and, and molding a team, if that makes sense." Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And obviously, you know, he came over to Sheffield from coaching in Europe for a while um, as well in Venice. It was one of the criticisms that a lot of the Steelers fans had of him for a time was that he was trying to coach it too European. Not quite sure I followed the uh, the same thought waves there, but um, anyway, that was, that was obviously one of the things. Andy, it's nice to see Paul, obviously, he brought a bit of silverware to Sheffield. It's nice to see after how he was hounded in Sheffield and, and kind of almost had his arm twisted into leaving. It's nice to see him landed on his feet and getting in the league like the DEL. It's fantastic to see. And uh, as much as Thompson is a fantastic coach and he, he did some great things while I was in Sheffield, I think it's kind of worked out well for both teams in Sheffield and uh, Schwenninger in the fact that they've got a coach who's, you know, he's, he's won championships over here. Uh, he's got a good knowledge of, uh, of players from around Europe. And um, I think Paul brings an element to Schwenninger that they were missing. And I think since Bryce was going to Sheffield, I think he's brought in an element that we were missing. Uh, so I think it has worked out for, for both teams in, in that respect. Uh, both fa- fantastic coaches. Uh, I just think that, as Dave said, one's more suited to another style of league and vice versa. So I think... Um, Paul's going to do a fan, fantastic job there, and I, I'm, I'm definitely sure that Brass is going to do a fantastic job at Sheffield. Yeah, Gref, what's your take on this? I mean, obviously, we're all, we all seem to be kind of be on a, a very similar wavelength of probably the best thing for, for both clubs. Um, obviously, Sheffield bringing in Barrasso, starting a new slate, getting a few wins under the belts, and obviously um, Schwenninger as well, obviously bringing in Thompson, getting a win against Munich, certainly one of the more tougher teams to be in the DEL and that's in the DEL as a top European league already. What what do you think to the move? I think it's great for Tomo getting the DEL team. Definitely that great. One of the best league one of the, the like the I say like the power five or something you could say. The top five leagues. It's ridiculous. But I mean watch I watched part of the game tonight before we recorded this it was a really unbelievable game I mean for one of the goals for Munich <laughs> it literally just undressed the keeper but then in overtime they, they didn't have anything in the gap in the, the chamber you could say and obviously as you guys know with Tomo he, he does well in the pressure games especially when it's overtime I mean just look at that playoff against Cardiff once a few years ago. A game that never wanted to end. 
Well, yeah, it, it's as a game for Arsenal as well. That's done great for you. I mean, I think it's a, a very good switch. Two great coaches. You, you now can see what's happening with them in place. Yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, it'll certainly be interesting to see. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Schwenninger go as well. Obviously, uh, you know, this day says struggling in the DEL. Um, I've seen a few people bringing that up, and I, I, more more a gripe and a dig at Tomo as as our fan base still apparently need to do. But um, that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but more more a gripe at that. But I mean, people have said, oh, obviously, of course, he's going to them that are bottom of the DEL. But at the end of the day, the DEL, you know. Schwenninger are changing the coach because they want to make a move up. Just like, you know, we brought in Barrasso. I know, obviously, I appreciate that Tomo left for personal reasons, but, um, you know, we brought in Barrasso because we wanted to make the move up. Tomo going to a team at the bottom of the league isn't a sign that he's a, a coach that's suited to be at the bottom of the league. If anything, it's a sign that he's been brought into one of the top European leagues as a guy that they think will help them move up the table. Not just They're not just going to sign a guy that's going to help them sit there for the rest of the, the year. Um, but you know, it's some, you you read some silly things on social media, so I think it's probably probably best kept on there. To be fair, um, <laughs> moving on from there, um, Gref, you discuss and you talked about then one of the uh, the Munich goals undressing the goalie. So we go from undressing the goalie to uh, to goading the goalie and then getting jumped from a guy who runs off the bench. If we are of course talking about the Milton Keynes v Glasgow clan game last night, Gref, did you watch it? Have you seen the fights? If not, and what did you think? I did watch it, and I was straight away texting Grant E going, wow, what a game. I'm so glad I'm not working this one. It was, from what it all started off with, it was a silly move that you could say from Pitsy doing the knee, and then a, a one-bomb punch. But then with Connolly going to the the goal and golden him. That was a, a silly move even further. No matter what's going to happen, you know for a fact someone's going to come at you if you golden the goaler. As we all know, playing hockey ourselves, our number one rule, protect your goaler. Yeah, the Pretty number one rule for the opposition, goal. don't touch them. <laughs> exactly. Did Pretty they... silly though for Cole coming off the bench. But, oh well. That was the penalty you got coming off the bench, leaving the bench. Silly. But, you know, he's young. He'll, he'll, he'll watch that video and laugh. I certainly watched the video and laughed. Um, <laughs> I wasn't lucky Pretty enough. To, I wasn't lucky enough to watch the game yesterday. To be honest with you, completely forgot that it was on free sports. Um, I was actually supposed to go ice training last night, as Andy will tell you, but I completely conked out last night, so I was dead to the world. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I've watched the videos, I've watched the fights. I, I have to say, I'd like to watch the knee again. I, I kind of... It was silly, but for me... and Fitzy's a big guy. Fitzy's a guy that you know when he's coming at you like that, in that situation, you know he's going to throw a hit. The position that the Milton Keynes player put himself in when he saw Fitzy coming was he almost... He, like, banked himself over to kind of... to like give Essentially leave his knee in. And the problem, for me, and as I say, I'd like to watch it again because I'm not 100% on this, but for me, wherever Fitzy was going to make contacts, and it was it was obvious when he made the move, when the, when the Milton Keynes player made the move to put himself in that position, it was obvious that it was going to be contact. If he didn't make contact with the knee or the leg, 
he was going to make contact up higher. So I, I don't know. It was probably silly from Fitzy. Yeah, it, it, you know, he put himself in that position where he kind of gave himself no choice. But at the same time, I don't know if there was the. I don't know how much intent really was there to take the knee. And I, Andy, I mean, he's the number one, another one, another of the number one rules, or another of the top rules, should I say, as a player. Yeah, you know, things like don't skate through the neutral zone with your head down. And, and that's going to be another one, surely. Don't put yourself in such a stupid position in the ice with a big guy coming in to make a hit. I mean, one of the things you're taught when you play checking hockey is move into the boards if you're going to take a hit because it's going to do less damage. And this guy's just done the complete opposite and shown one of the biggest guys in the league his knee. Yeah, it's true. Um, unfortunately, I've, I've not seen uh, the whole of the footage. Um, I've, I've only seen the um, uh, Brendan Connolly shooter incident. Um, but yeah, it's exactly from from what you're taught in juniors. Now you you can't open yourself up in in neutral ice uh, because you're just guaranteed to get uh, to get a pasting really. Um, so it is why I teach you to keep to the boards. You know you. You got to have his head on a swivel for the whole game, um, but yeah, I've, I think the Shudra instant was was um, good on him because I, I don't think if, if he had got off the bench, checked his goalie, I don't think anyone else would have because it, it it didn't look that way from the uh, replay that I saw. Uh, so it it was good of him to protect his goalie, uh, and it's something you should see more of. It is. I mean, in fairness to the rest of the team, particularly the players on the ice, I think they were all kind of so focused on what was going on with Fitzy that I don't think anybody on the ice really seemed to clock what was going on down at the other end. Um, Dave, you're you're the goalie amongst us. What what was your take on the whole incident with Connolly and um, and Killeen? We'll we'll bring that one in first. I'll I'll, I'll drag back to the Fitzy one because I think one thing to, to mention is what Fitzy didn't help so slightly is he also changed his position. Hmm. Um, Made more sent more foot um, open onwards with his body, which allowed more potential for the knee on knee contact. Um, so I think both players didn't help themselves. Yeah. Um, in fairness, I messaged Gref saying I don't know how he's he called that. Then the replay showed us like yeah, that's actually why. Um, so we're going on to to Connolly um, and Colleen. Yeah, it's it, what I didn't understand is you've got the play over here. The goal is at the other end. Why is your guy actually going to the end to go the goalie? It's not like the goal. I could understand partially if the goalie's got involved. He's kind he's kind of come part of the whole melee. So it's one guy just grabs him and you go from there. He's nowhere near the melee. He's nowhere near it at all. He's so this guy goalie's gone out of his way to go to now. Apparently, according to the um, Chris Ellis was on ringside and overhearing the conversations, and he was hammering home the, uh, the point apparently that Killeen fired a puck after the whistle. And I don't recall him firing a puck after the whistle. The puck um, was down at the other end. The puck... Yeah, the puck this the, is what... No, no, no. I, I mean, fairness, it was, I agree yeah. in fairness. I've seen the same thing pinging around on social media. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. But I, I just don't understand the argument because from what I saw, I mean, the hit that Fitzy made at the other end of the ice was on the player with the puck. So how, after that, has the puck gone down and to and the goalie? Sure, sorry, no one was sure where on, and when this puck firing incident I think that yeah. was made up from Connolly I think that was his excuse to you know have a go and I mean I think yes a lot of people were looking at the incident bang in front of the benches 
and there was two guys, one of them were called that was looking like clocked on what had happened with the goalie. Again, you've all mentioned them all, but when you start messing around with the goalie, either slashing him or I mean, kind of just tapping his head, trying to get a reaction, what was he expecting? Was he expecting a bunch of flowers? Was he expecting um, chocolates and tickets to the movies? Yeah, you, you get to expect something. A blocker um, to the face, normally. And, and, well, yeah, he, he got what he deserved again. He's also Glasgow's top point scorer or top goal scorer. So he's one of their important players. He does something as stupid as that. He's stupid. No, no one, no matter what form of hockey player, whether it's European or American, that was stupid. Cole comes off the bench. Some people have gone on social media saying, well, you know, if it was your team and someone's got the bench to, to jump in, you'd be all in uproar. Probably not, because he's done the wrong rule. He's protected his goalie. Now, yeah, we could say no one was going to do it, because maybe everyone was looking at um, the other incident. Some theories are he remembers Cole, that uh, Cole hit him <laughs> from behind badly the year before. He, he's kind of gone right on his lap, I'll protect the goalie, and I'll also get some revenge. And in fairness, he did a great job on him. Uh, and, you know, you saw the, the blood afterwards as to the type of job Cole did. But I think, looking after the goalie, I'm glad someone did, um, from a neutral perspective. Um, it showed a bit of character as well. Um, and I think it was one thing that was good from him. Looking at, if you were a Milton Keynes fan, it showed their character a little bit. Like, it didn't matter. He didn't have to be their star import. It was a young Brit who's even not even thought about. He's not even one of theirs in its entirety. He's there mm. alone. So he's gone. No, no, no. You're not doing this to my keeper. He's got involved straight away. So it shows character. It shows a lot of fight that they've got in the tank at Milton Keynes. Um, but yeah, for me, the main thing is the dumbness of of Connolly's play. Nowhere near the play itself. And what was I just don't understand what he was expecting or what he was hoping to get apart from someone to, to give him a rough uh, rough time. This is this is the thing I don't understand about it the most. I mean, as you say, the number one rule, don't touch the goalie. The number one rule, look after your own goalie. I mean, they're obviously, they're obviously on par. They obviously go hand in hand. If you want to go and go the goalie, to an extent, and, and I can't, I, I just, I seriously don't understand it in this context because there's just nothing to it at all. Do you know if it had been like a, a do you know, the player being in front of the MK goal, Killian had given him a few blockers to the back and a couple of slashes in the inside of his leg, and then he turned around and done it, then maybe I'd understand it. But if you want to turn around and go with the goalie, fine, that's your decision to an extent. You live by the consequences, you get the 2 plus 10 on sportsman, like Connor Penalty, fine. But don't then turtle when a guy comes in to give you something for it. If you're going to go and, you know, I mean, you look at you look at earlier on in the season, start of the season, pre-season, Davy Phillips against Timra for, for the Steelers. Davy Phillips turns and falls awkwardly on the goalie. Before he'd even got up, his gloves were on the floor because he knew he was going to have to answer for it. I mean, Connolly stood there, he's, he's like, you know, he's giving Killeen a shove, he's going for the mask. And then Shudra comes in and he's just like, oh, Oh, okay, hello. Didn't expect you to be coming. What did he expect? If you're going to go with the goalie, you then stand up for what you're doing. If you don't want to go and drop the gloves and fight somebody for it, then fine. I'm not going to have as much of a problem for you going in the goalie in the first place. But to do it and then expect nothing... Yeah, I mean, and also Cole, when he got off the bench, he didn't drop the gloves straight away. He waited, made sure he had the eye-to-eye contact so he knew what was going to happen, so there was no instigator. Um, So smart from Cole. Um... Uh, yeah, but I'll ask you for you a question about this because it was something that was mentioned in commentary. So let's just say you know the goalie slashed you or hit you with a block or something that's peeved you off, shall we say? 
What's going to, what, in your, as a forward or as a D-man or someone who could score on a goalie, what's going to do more to wind him back up? Is it going to, is it going to be to smack him or is it going to put the ball, the puck back in the net? What's going to do the more that's going to wind the goalie back up, that's going to get you the one-up that you really want to by smacking him? Is it going to be the punch or is it going to be the goal? It's going to be the goal, easy. Yeah, you're going to want to undress him. I mean, I'm not being funny, but you, you mess around with the goalie for long enough. I say, I mean, I've, I think I think Connolly came off lightly in the respect of he had Cole Shudra, you know, coming after him because do you know one of the things that I'd be expecting if I was doing that to a goalie would be a blocker, and a blocker would have done a hell of a lot more damage. So realistically, you're starting on a netty with all that kit on, do you know, even with his helmet on, like you ain't going to do anything. You, you're going to it's going to hurt him a lot more to to undress him and put a nice goal in, or do you know, to get an extra one up, particularly in that game. Particularly in that game, yeah. six-one down, or whatever the score was at the time. That, nothing made sense for that for Connolly. Sorry, mate, but no. No, I, 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 I completely. As I say, I, I, it's not necessarily just the goal in the goalie that I have an issue with. It's the goal in the goalie, and then just and then and then getting jump, then getting jumped for it because you won't answer the bell. And it's funny, Gref. I'll, I'll I'll bring you into this because I'm conscious that this is just me and Dave back and forward, backwards and forwards. Um, it, it just baffles me. You read on social media, and obviously social media is a dangerous place. It, it can be a dangerous thing, uh, and it's proved that this year, particularly in the league. But you read on social media, as Dave's already said, some people saying Shudra cheap shot at him, Shudra jumped him and came off the bench. It was a sucker punch. He shouldn't have been doing it. Hefty ban. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I expect to see a ban from it, but... Can you really class that as a cheap shot? Can you really class that as a sucker punch for a guy who should have really been expected somebody to come? And as Dave said, he skated off the bench with his gloves on, he easily saw him coming forward, and then he dropped the gloves and threw a punch. Like, Yeah, I I agree. It wasn't like a sucker punch or malicious in any way. He literally, I think it was by the time he got to the blue line where his gloves were dropped. So he skated a good while before... Is actually dropped the gloves. Connolly could see him straight away. He was coming for him. Silly. You just got people, especially on social media, making up things, trying to be the ones that 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 to show the moment. That's fifteen minutes of fame. That you get it on, on a lot, especially on Facebook, the Facebook groups. You get so many people. Posting the same exact thing, the same exact comments. You like, you were shut down five minutes ago. Start trying to ring back up. Yeah. And then it's the same people that cry about it once they get shut down on social media. That's the thing that makes me laugh. Um, Andy, um, yeah. you know, if, if you're if you're Pete Russell, if you're coaching Connolly, um, your team's down. I don't know what the score was at that time, but you, your team eventually goes down to go six one. What are your top goal scorers? does such a ludicrous thing and gets himself sat for 12 minutes in the penalty box. How do you then go ahead from that game? What, what do you say to him? Because that's a massive loss to lose one of your top goal scorers for something as stupid as that. It is a huge loss. And the first thing I'd, I'd, I'd ask him is, why did you do that? You know, if he's not involved in, in, in the situation uh, that was, if, if he just stood there doing his own thing, just let him. Just let him. There's, there's no need to get involved. The only reason you get involved is if he's doing something that deserves it. And for me, Killeen wasn't doing that at all. So 
the first thought would be, why did you do that? And then the second thought would be, well, this better be a good, a good response. Have I missed something? Or you know, something like that. But I'd, I'd say to him, we need to get your stuff together and, and buck up because you know you're a good player and it's not like you at all, especially when we need you, when we need you a lot um, and and producing some really good uh, good games. So yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and in fairness, I mean, I think one of the motives behind it could have been the form that Killeen was, was on. I mean, you look at the stats after the game, Milton Keynes, in fairness, if, well, I don't think we've outright, outright said it, the, if the final result, as I say, was 6-1 to Milton Keynes. Possibly a bit of an unexpected result. Obviously, Milton Keynes sitting at the bottom. Obviously, they just lost Doug McKay. Um, so, in fairness, to come back and win the first game without him 6-1, a, a good result. You look at the stats... And in fairness, we've said this a number of times this year, that a lot of the games are coming down to the goaltending. Um, and you look, I mean, even Dundee, uh, you know, Pontus Sjogren, Dundee have, have been on some terrible form and, and still I'd, I'd take Sjogren as a goalie. I, I think the, the level of netminding this season really, really has been better than we've ever seen in the Elite League before. But you look at that game last night, Milton Keynes wins 6-1. Milton Keynes also have 33 shots on goal. Five of those were against um, the backup netminder. So 28 of those were against the starter. Glasgow had 44 shots on killing. So Glasgow lost the game 6-1 and outshot the other team by 11 shots and put 44 shots on net. Killeen made 43 saves in that game. And it, it, it kind of goes to me to show a little bit maybe of the of the the motive behind what Connolly was doing, but also as you say, it really does show and showcase the level of netminding in that game. Forty three saves to be outshot forty four thirty three and win six one. It's not like it's a one goal game. Do you know if if they'd have won four three and outshot them forty four thirty three, then yeah, fair enough. They might tip the cap to the goalie, fair play. But six one. But, yeah, it's madness. But crazy game. Great game, in fairness, to put on free sports. Um, and some good commentary from Aaron Murphy as well, from one of the clips that I've seen. Um, always got to be fun to commentate on a kind of game like that that's kicking off. Um, my mind always pings back to the uh, the game that was shown on Sky when it, it kicked off between Nottingham and Coventry. And there was the bench clearance. It was the, the one of the last games Brad Crookshank played where he ran... Kowalski and it always makes me think as to how good it must be to commentate those games because it was hilarious I mean Dave Sims was commentating that game and all you heard was oh my god somebody's fighting over there cameraman go over there oh no 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 actually cameraman go back over there it was it was just it was chaos on the commentary as well as chaos on the ice it was it's got to be good fun but a good game to put on free sports and, and showcase the sport obviously it's nice to see that bit of old school hockey coming back um talking about hockey as a whole Dave, in your absence last week, um, you posted a question to us to ask, and in our ignorance slash stupidity after a day of work while you were on your jollies, um, we completely spaced on the question. That's my bad. I'll hold my hands up. I will actually say as well, Gref saved the day a little bit on for episode nine because Craig actually asked the question and I didn't spot it, and Gref told me about it about two minutes before we started recording. So. I apologise, but Dave, would you like to now ask the question that you asked us on social media last week? No. Um, no, I'm joking <laughs> aside. Um, uh, something that we've mentioned 
um, back home and in terms of is hockey turning into now not just you roll up and watch the game of hockey is it now more of a show we've we've mentioned a couple of times and and some of that talking in North America to some of the NHL fans is that they also believe now that it is more actually you know what the hockey is going to be fine on its own you're not just expecting people to roll up you have to now put on a show you have to to, to keep numbers coming to keep to keep you know attendances up you have to put on a package that makes people come along and it's not just the package we're talking food drinking all that so we're talking you know the during the game during the breaks during the whistles it's that type of interaction that the NHL has now and keeps them there it's, it's, it's hockey now just turning into that type of thing I mean the NHL's lucky in the respect that they have three TV breaks where they can do more um of this and I know the UK don't have any apart from when on free sports where they have the one but it is, is the game itself turning into where you're not just going to watch the hockey it's now more it's a package of, of entertainment and where's then the balance if it is the case that you all three agree that it's a, it's a package is there a balance where you tend to, tend to the kids and put kids music on or kid music that will keep the kids involved or do you have to have stuff um that engages everybody, men, women, young, old, that gets the crowd involved. You know, what balance should there be? I reckon, yeah, I think it should be a balance. So it's for everyone. As we say, it's a family sport. I mean, I'm all for removing Baby Shark from every rink. I mean, I know MK have it, you guys have it. That's a song that I'd, I'd rather not listen to, but I'm I've sure there's plenty of songs that you guys wouldn't want to listen to. <laughs> Watching six games over in America, not hearing that, and another song was just bliss. I'd rather it hear Sweet just... Caroline than Baby Shark. I'm sorry, I would rather hear Sweet Caroline than Baby <laughs> Shark. <laughs> it's like, have you watched these games over in America, and then the first actual British game you watched, not even the pup job, blasted out by Milk Keynes, good old Sweet Caroline, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, no, I... I'm not a fan of I agree with the, the idea of it being a show, particularly in North America, particularly in the NHL. Um, you look at, I think the Rangers were one of the first teams to do it with the on-ice projection. I know that they did it in uh, in Budapest as well. Uh, I've seen your videos, Dave. Um, but, I mean, I think, I think, I'm pretty sure it was the Rangers or, you know, it was, it was one of the NHL, to, I, I think the Rangers were the first in the NHL to do it anyway, or one of the first to do the on-ice projection thing before you start the game. It's brilliant. It is It is fantastic. Is it really relevant to the game of hockey? No. But it's great to see them come on. Then you go up the next level to what I just thought was the most ridiculous, cheesy and embarrassingly tacky um, start to a hockey game was every home game for the Vegas Golden Knights in the playoffs last year. Just... Awful. I, I, I know that some, I've seen some people saying, oh, this is brilliant, oh, this is great. To me, it just looked like they'd just taken a 10-minute segment from Disney on Ice beforehand, thrown a couple of drummers in, and then gone, ladies and gentlemen, here come the Vegas Golden Knights. Like, what is going on there? Why am I watching a bloke in spandex pretend to fight another bloke in spandex holding the other team's flag, and then a guy bang a drum that's in lights, and then the team come on? What is the point in that? Like it really, really is, and I think in fairness, Vegas, particularly with the with the city as it is as well, it was always going to be a bit of a show. 
so yeah, I think it is probably in 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 the NHL. It probably is going that way, and in other leagues as well. In fairness, but in the elite league for the time being, no, I I can't, I can't see it. I mean, the, what the extent of the show for the Steelers is, um, you know, the the intro video that probably goes on for a couple of minutes too long with the square that's been broken on the scoreboard for about five years, um, and then. In the intervals, you get the Steelers cheerleaders dancing where hardly anybody can see them to music that hardly anybody can hear. I, it, it's just, you know, I mean, we've been to other rinks. Milton Keynes, you know, they did that football thing, which was just not good. Um, <laughs> I think it was, it was it bubble football where the, the mascot just kept going and body checking people out of the way. You know, it, it's, yeah, it gives you something to watch in the intervals. I don't think that it's becoming a show yet over here. Um... I'd like to see us bring a little bit more into it. I'd like to see like the Steelers intro being lights out fully. I mean, we've seen the arena blacked out. We don't do the arena blacked out, but you know, I'd like to see the arena fully blacked out, the music fully whacked up. Let's let's get the the whole place bouncing and, and you know get it getting it to be the point where teams are coming onto the ice thinking, oh, you know, this is this is going to be a tough game. The atmosphere is there already. But I don't think that necessarily becomes a show. I, I'd I'd like to see the balance go more the way of the game than it, you know, than putting on the show beforehand. One and thing I noticed with, with both the New York teams is when the the players came onto the ice in in every period, it was welcome onto the ice. Your you know, calendars, your Rangers. The goal music were played full blast. The first time I heard it, um, I, I obviously more, she jumped out of the skin. She went, what, "What's that?" But it was so loud, it just got everybody involved. Got the atmosphere already started. It bubbled up from there. So just you know, just some of that just picked up and got an atmosphere. So yeah, I want you know, get you know, drop the block if they know that before they come on, you're gonna have the, the goal siren go just to g the crowd up. May help just get that crowd going even more. Yeah, what what do you think, Andy? I mean, you've been quite quiet on this one so far. What what's your take on it? Obviously, we've watched a lot of NHL games between us, on particularly on the telly. Um, you know, we've been to some European games, and obviously, we we go every week to the Steelers. What what's your impression of it? Do you think it's becoming more of a show as a whole, either in the elite league or in the NHL? And what would you rather see? I think it's a great question, Dave. Uh, and I think both answers, Joe and Graf, have been great. Um, I think it is becoming that way. But just like the film, you know it, Joe, the greatest showman. That's where the business is. You know, it's it's about making money at the end of the day. It's it's about raising money for the club. You know, to necessarily in the in the elite league basically keep them going, because obviously the teams aren't getting any any funding from any uh, uh, NHL sort of sort of ways that they have over there. Um, in terms of like pre-game stuff, I think I've never been more. Um, on the edge of my seat and my heart pounding in the playoff finals. I mean, the music they play before the teams go on there. You know, I'm, I'm always uh, my, my heart is just like beating because the music, it, it's proper like pumped up. It's it's loud, uh, the energy's there. And it's, it's a great atmosphere altogether for me. Uh, and, and I do agree with you in saying that Vegas is a bit, I think there's a bit OTT. Uh, but as I say, it is it is Vegas, so you know, I suppose they've got to be better, better than the rest, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, they've certainly got to live up to the uh, to the expectations and to the whole, you know, the showmanship of the city as a whole. You know that that's that's literally what it is. I mean, if I don't know 
if, if anybody's ever gone to Vegas, it, it is very much what it is. I mean, every hotel, there's a show, there's the, there's magicians, there's Cirque du Soleil. It, the whole thing is very much like the show. And yeah, in fairness, it probably is only right that the NHL's the same. I, I just found it so tacky and cheesy. But, <laughs> yeah, no, it's... It, it, it's uh, I'd like to see more developments in it in that sense um, in the in the elite league. I mean, in fairness, I know the cost of things like on ice projection. It ain't gonna come cheap. Um, and in fairness, in our league, I'd rather see I'd rather see us put it to better players, um, and you know to progress in the level of hockey. I don't really think, as I say, it's great to see. It's fantastic. You watch it the first time and go, oh wow. In fairness. After five times of watching it, probably stay in the pub for another ten minutes and miss the intro video. Um, don't actually think I've seen an intro video this year yet for the Steelers because we've always come over from the pub. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's exactly that. I think you'd see a couple of them, you'd go, "Wow, that's amazing!" And then after after five or ten games, you'd you'd be like, "Okay, it's this again." Fair enough. And that's however much it costs for the lights and the projection systems down the drain, and. It could have been put on players, so I think that's 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 the key thing for us. It, it can be a show, but we've got to put a lot more of the revenue. As Andy says, we haven't got that input um, like the NHL have. We've got to put that revenue towards the players. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, going keep sticking with the NHL, and it's another question that you've raised, Dave. Um, it's a question that is so pivotal in the NHL and in hockey as a whole at the moment is the whole question regarding concussion. Um, I- so I think it's just become the buzzword in sport, in fairness. Yeah, it's a lot true. Of contact sports. Um, it's now very much part of the uh, of, of the conversation. Um, American football was kind of the first set that really was hit by the concussion um, legislation, shall we say, um, where the players were taking the league to, to court. Now, um, Dan um, Cirillo and an ex um, Nottingham Panthers defenseman in the lockout, uh, Nick Boyton, has really been raising the, the, the banner of looking after the players in terms of concussion, in terms of the care before, the during and the after. Um, I know that Casillo has uh, donated his brain once he, he passes on to allow for the research to help um, with the whole uh, concussion thing. And, and I know this year the Elite League has brought in a a, a very sort of tough protocol on concussion for players so that they're not um, continue to be involved where you saw years before they either got a headshot or they was hitting the boards or they got hit and the, the, the head snapped and they had significant contact on the ice and, and I, just, I just you know where where does the sport in general go and I know I, I mentioned in terms of the NHL because it is there and I said Buzzword I know that there's a potential settlement um, being agreed with a, a number of the players who have took the league to court. But, but where does the sport, where can and should the sport go in terms of reducing that risk? I mean, in a contact sport, you're never going to. Uh, and one of the stats that um, Casilla brought was actually 40% of concussions in the NHL weren't due to headshots. And head, there was no contact of head. Um, so what can the sport do? What should the sport do? To, to, to A, protect its main asset the players, but B, protect an element of the game that, that you talk to anybody who watches the game. It's one of the things that brings them in. It's the hit. It's, it's the contact at full speed. Where, where does the sport go with it? 
it's a hard line to draw. Um, as you say, the main assets for any sporting team are the players, um, as you say. But the problem with hockey is the secondary asset, and it is almost it is almost as important as the primary asset is. It, it is the contact and it's the hitting and it's the fighting and that's it is hockey. That's the foundation of what hockey is. You take the hits and you take the fighting out of it, and it isn't hockey anymore. And this is the kind of the fine line that I think the NHL in particular, obviously, they're always the front runners in terms of it. Um, Gary Bettman, in fairness, has shown a bit of. Um, Bit of reluctance to admit a connection between you know the hard hits and concussions and the and the condition CTE, which is chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which is the main thing that um, Dan Carcillo is fighting against. Um, I know, thank you. It took me ages to practice saying that word to be able to say it without stumbling. Um, yeah, I mean it is that's one of the main conditions that Dan Carcillo um, is is going out to kind of to raise awareness for, and I, I can't remember the name of the player, but he was good friends with a player that that died, I think, as as, as I don't know whether it was from that or whether that was a secondary cause. Um, I know that Bettman's gone out and said that there's no connection, or he's refusing or reluctant to admit that there is a connection, but it's difficult because the fans want to see hits, the fans want to see fights. I can tell you that because I want to. I want to see a fight. I want to see a fight most games. I'm disappointed that there's not as many fights. Um, I'm disappointed that you don't see as many huge hits. But at the same time, the level of play it, it's stepped up that much that it's no longer a part of it. And it, that's probably a good thing because, as you say, the thing is as well with the big hits. And it is it's a main mainly the big hits. As you say, it's not the head contact. It's not the fights. The big hits are the main cause of the concussions. And and that's that's one of the things that a lot of people want to see. So in fairness, them maybe dying out a little bit more, probably not a bad thing. But it's a difficult one to regulate. It is, but the, another thing in terms of just in discussion over in Norfolk, and they're looking, and their main tagline when you talk to fans is speed kills. So they're looking for players with speed. Um, you know, and you see a lot of the players now who are the top end on any NHL team and even AHL teams. Their, their main asset, apart from the skill of the hands, is speed. So if you have that com- that connection of someone who can hit with someone who can spit with a speed, they say speed kills in terms of the guy with the puck to get to the end, but if he gets hit at speed, he's going to hurt. So I, I, I think you're right in that respect of it's, it's kind of moving away from the game being about the hits. But then it, you then the question, I suppose, a follow-on, and I've only just kind of thought it from the top head, is where then the old argument of hits creates passion, creates the energy... If you kind of move away from that, is where then where can you get that from? Because are you going to get that from speed? You still enjoy the moment of, of the play and, and the move and everything, but where else does it get? Does it come from? No, I, I think that's a, a very good point. That it's you take the hitting out of the the sport itself. You pre, you're pretty much watching like the Harlem Grove tours. You're pretty much watching them against the team you used to play against all the time and obviously used to win a lot. There's no nothing there to excite you anymore. You're just gonna watch you basically if you, you can just watch like either like a Sidney Crosby video on YouTube for five minutes or Conor McDavid of them just doing tricks. That's basically what you're gonna be watching for a good like three hours. The hits yeah, some of them for example, Tom Wilson, they're dangerous and they're going to cause a lot of pain. But ones that 
bring the excitement to the ring that actually are brilliant hits, full-on clean hits. That's the hits. Yeah, they they may cause concussion down the line, but at the time, it's clean. The law state is clean. Brings the, the passion to the game. It That could change from your team being down by a goal to your team going up by a goal. I still say the same thing. I mean, it's not necessarily hit-wise, but... I still say the same thing. If we go down a couple of goals early on in the game, I still say like this is the point where you want to get your big your big guy on. This is the point where you want to get a guy who's going to drop the gloves and and change the momentum of the game. I mean, it's it, it's been shown numerous times that 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 kind of play does have some bearing on the game and it can turn the game around. Um, it, it's it's difficult. I mean, it's the question comes down to: Would you rather see a player dangle and score a screamer of a goal? Or see two big guys go head to head, toe to toe, and um, and draw a bit of blood and, and have a nice fight. Or see a big guy like Dustin Bufflin destroy um, anybody, whether it's the star player or, or one of the other big guys. I mean, I think that's one of the most exciting plays in the game. I'd much rather see a player like Bufflin go and destroy, um, you know, one of the other team's fighters and then them go toe to toe rather than watch Conor McDavid skate around the net three times and then put it in the top corner. But that, that's just me. Yeah, I think that it's a, it's a valid point. It's, it just depends on the person. You know, what you may like, what Griff may like, what Andy may like, what I may like, just as an example, could be completely different. So you're never going to get the same thing. But I think collectively, you, you kind of, a lot of people, unless I suppose you've been watching for the last four, if you t- people start watching over the last four years out of the equation, not disregarding, just taking them out of the equation, a lot of people still remember the big hitters the big fighters. I mean, Sheffield alone, people still talk about a guy called Steve Charlton who played in the Super League era. It was one of the best mid-ice hitters going. For example, and every team will have the same in any league um, in around the world. So, I suppose it kind of goes, goes hang on with how the game's moved and how the game's changed. And it's just, you know, is that what the game wants or is it the game needs? I'd probably say the, uh, I'd probably say the latter, but... The the problem is you watch it you watch a film like Ice Guardians, um, maybe not so much the Last Gladiator because that's more about the fighters and and the reason that they go into it. But you watch it you watch a, a film like Ice Guardians, and and they point out when when Wayne Gretzky moved around, you know he insisted that Marty McSorley went with him. He insisted that he had those guys on the ice that could stick up for him. I was listening to an interview with Sean Avery the other day, and he used to always say one of the—I mean, one of the guys that he actually had on his line at one point, made sure he had on his line at one point was the guy who played for the Steelers for a season was Mike Scroy, a guy that could stand there and fight, and a guy that could stand there and 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 take the punches and throw them back. And now you see it, and you've got Sidney Crosby playing on a line with, you know, last season he was playing on a line with Conor Sheary and, and Patrick Hornquist. I mean, neither of those guys are going to protect him. Gref, stop smiling. You can keep Conor Sheary. He's done nothing for you this season. Um, <laughs> no, uh, no, like, I mean, I'm not being funny, but Sheary or, or Hawkins aren't going to stand up for Crosby. And look at how many concussions he's suffered. I, I, know, that, I know that people are saying now that David's better than Crosby. Crosby said it himself. I mean, in fairness, he's not going to go around and say, no, I'm better. But, um, like, yeah, I mean, in fairness, 
Previously, over the last couple of seasons, the person probably the most, and I'm not by any means comparing per se, but the person most like Gretzky in terms of his points output and in terms of his position in the league in terms of how good a player he is, was the, the, the person most like him was Crosby. And yet you see Crosby going out two, three, four times with a concussion because of a bad hit. It shows you how much it changes. It shows you, and in fairness, that's the problem is, it's not so much the big hits. The big hits are the cause, but the big hits don't happen nearly as much when you've got a big bruiser out there that's going to batter the guy who makes the big hit. Yeah, it, it, it kind of there's, there's that lack of on ice honesty um, and you know, that, that self policing of the game. Um, but you know, the, the more you look at it, the more it's becoming a, a bygone era. Mm. Um, that style of play. And one thing in terms of Crosby, and he is one of the best players in the world. And, and when you, you watch him live, he, he's he's the only type of person. There's probably like two other people in that same boat where when he's on the puck or when he's doing something, everyone stops what they're doing and focuses. He's got the, he's going to do something special. And when that type of asset has is it three or four concussions, he's, he can't be any more away than someone doctor saying you're going to have to seriously consider packing it in. And then the NHL loses one of its prime assets. And they're just going to go, well, the hits and the fighting, but actually maybe some of the fighting could protect him and not... You know, prevent the team thinking actually we'll not target him because we're going to get someone that's going to um, put us to task. Yeah. What do you think, Andy? You've been fairly quiet on this one. Yeah, I agree. Um, as a fan, I'd, I'd like to see the whole package, the fights, the the skill, uh, just just all the whole thing about the sport. I want to see it all. Um, I want it all. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, it is a whole package that, that I want to see. Um, so I, I think it, it should stay. You know, the, the element of that game should stay. Um, and I think whoever tries to take that out is 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 wrong. And and like I said about the film Ask Guardians, that gave us a massive insight into why the players do that. You know, there's there's got to be someone if if you skilled you've got to put someone who is willing to step up if that player um is is hurt in any way uh through through the fault of the other person so yeah i think it is something that needs to stay the the physicality the hits the fights needs to stay for me yeah I'm, i totally agree um sticking maybe with it well not necessarily the same theme but obviously we, we talked about dan carstillo and and obviously, a lot of this has taken a, a very, very much taken a, an NHL kind of slant. Um, so we'll stick with the NHL kind of theme as we as we kind of come towards the end of the of the episode. Um, Gref, I'll bring this to you because, in fairness, I'm looking at the league table, uh, and I'll, I'll leave it to. Well, we'll come back to Dave. Obviously, he's, he's seen a few a few games of recent, but I'll bring it to you first, Gref, because the Buffalo Sabers, the team that ended up with the first pick last year of Rasmus Darling. Um, are currently sat in ninth in the NHL as a whole. What do you think to the way the league's going this year? Because it's not just Buffalo that are there. I mean, Vancouver are just below, Calgary are just below them, Colorado are just below them, and Montreal are just below them in 13th. So, I mean, what do you think to the way the NHL's going? Because that's certainly a shake-up from the last few years. It's definitely a shake-up. I mean, especially when you look down the bottom of the table, you've got... You guys in twenty fifth, 
You've got New Jersey, 29th. You've got Kings at the very bottom. I mean, at the start of the season, you wouldn't have expected that. Start of the season, I didn't expect us to be in ninth overall. I expected us to probably be where Edmonton are now, which is 17th. I mean, it's brilliant. <laughs> From a Sabres fan perspective, after the amount of years that we've had of being pretty much at the bottom end, it's wonderful. Yeah, Gref, those things that you play after the main season are finished, they're called playoffs. Um, what what basically happens is you play seven game series <laughs> against different teams, and then the winner gets the Stanley Cup. I, mean, I know you may not be familiar with this, so I just thought you know to keep it nice and clear, just so that we know what we're talking about. Um, Andy, I'll come to you before I go back to Dave. You are <laughs> Andy. I'll, I'll come back to you. Playoffs since that yeah, the Elite League playoffs. Joe, I think I think it would be nice of you to go down the, the Hockey for Dummies 101 with uh, Gref. I think you should be applauded for that. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I know what these Sabres fans are like, in fairness. I mean, you, you watch your team. I mean, I'm saying that to an Islanders fan, so you know, it's a similar thing, in fairness, Dave. That's probably why you're happy with it, because you, you, you also need the explanation as to what the, uh, what the playoffs are. Um, Andy? Yeah, that's what I've got for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Andy, um, a guy who doesn't settle down for a team because he just likes to change his team more than uh, more than I have hot dinners. But um, I mean, your team's not doing great at the moment. But Vegas, a, a one team that, in fairness, did a stellar job last season, all the way through to the uh, to the Stanley Cup final. Um, again, Dave Greff, Stanley Cup final, last stage of the playoffs where you can win the Stanley Cup. Just just said it, you know. Um, you know, they made it all the way down to there. They're currently sat in twenty eighth in the league. Um, and as as Greff said, I mean, the, the 17 points, they played 19 games. They're on the same points as Pittsburgh in 25th. And, you know, Pittsburgh, obviously, having won two Stanley Cups over the last few years, um, it, it really is a shake-up. What, what's, what, what do you think of the way the NHL is going? I mean, it really could turn around, in fairness, as well, with how close the points are. It is very close, yeah. It, it, it's good to see um, the teams that last year struggled. Uh, so high in the standings so far. I've, I've, I think they've done really well to get where they are at the minute. Uh, just hope they continue with that. I mean, the form of the Avalanche that uh, Landeskog, McKinnon, and Ranton in line, uh, they're really performing for them. Uh, you know, Granlund, especially for Minnesota. Uh, but one person in particular who is on my fantasy team and he's letting me down at the minute, which I hope he picks his game up for, is William Carlson. I mean, he was getting doors left, right, and centre last last season for Vegas, but uh, he's really under underperforming, just like just like a team are uh, so far this season. So hopefully they'll they'll find their uh, gear and uh, and start climbing the table. But uh, LA as well, uh, not normally right at the bottom, but uh, yeah, it's it, it's unusual to see them there. Um, I, I think it is more wide open uh, this season than than it probably was last. Uh, but it's it's good to see from a from a uh, sort sort of outside looking in really. Yeah, well, I mean, in fairness, you don't have a team to settle down with, really. Do you? You're in New Jersey at the moment, but you know it could change as the season goes on. So, <laughs> um, no, no, I completely agree. I completely agree about Will Carlson as well because I've got him on one of my fantasy teams, and he's doing absolutely naff all at the moment. Um, but yeah, um, Dave. I've got a question for you. Obviously, you've spent some time in, in New York, if nobody's heard, over the last couple of weeks. Um, 
I've heard rumours that the, uh, the, uh, the Islanders shop are actually selling uh, game-worn um, goods for very cheap. Is it true that they are selling uh, John Tavares's old New York Islanders pyjamas? It's, it's, it's not the, the Islanders shop, it's the NHL store itself. So there's like a section of, of discounted stuff and lo and behold, there's a number of Islanders uh, 91 Tavares shirts Um that's available. I prefer the one I saw against Montreal. That was uh, night one traitor. But that's a different argument for a different day. Um, but yeah, if you want to buy one, you know, it's good for trading shit, I suppose. Did they have any pajamas though? That's the key thing. No, but I do hear a rumor that they may be on sale before the first game against Toronto. <laughs> Just a rumor. Can you imagine that? You sell the game out as a pajama party for the first time that Tavares comes back. <laughs> Well, it's quite funny because we were meant to play that game at the Barclays, but they've now switched it and they're now being played at the Coliseum, which is a lot more fans on top of. So as much as he, he'll get a reception of, you know, he did well and he was the guy who scored the game winner in our first playoff series win for 23 years, I don't think he's going to get that much of a nice response. I was watching it today, in fairness, there's a, a nice YouTube clip of all the co- different commentaries and you've got like the national ones and the other ones and the Florida ones, they just turn it go, and vlog around. And it's just so. Uh, um, so yeah, uh, that'd be hilarious. Pajama party against the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like a good idea, though. Doesn't it? Do you want to give us a, a rundown of the games that you saw over there? Obviously, I mean, you, you saw a very rare occurrence in that the Islanders actually winning games. So do you want to um, give us a bit I, of a I rundown? Saw twice. Not just once, but twice. Yeah, and one against one against New Jersey. One against Pittsburgh. Um, so maybe just brush over the first one and then just talk mainly about the second. <laughs> first one because that was against Pittsburgh um, it was a it was a great game back and forth left right centre um, um, Pittsburgh took the lead um, nice goal out of nowhere but still a nice goal uh, Bailey equalised on a shorthanded love the move um, and then we um, went on the go ahead with Anders Lee was tipping Malkin scored on the power play um, and then we had the, the best bit of hockey the three on three and all four of us have mentioned how good it is to watch three on three at the Elite League. We've also said how good it is to watch it on TV, the NHL. But when you see it on its own, we see everything about it, all the, every intricacies in that. It is a joy to behold. And then when, as I mentioned earlier, Crosby goes on the breakaway and the whole arena just stops and the buzz is there. He's going to do it. It's going to be all over. Pittsburgh going to win. Drysdale pulls out this poke check out of nowhere and the building just erupts. Um, it was one of the NHL highlights. So you may want to, want to look at it once or twice. Um, just to see how good it were. It was out of nowhere. It went like it, it, Grice sort of sized himself up to do it. He just kind of went um, hit a bust, shall we say, um, and did well. And then the shootout, we had a, a nice goal from Josh Bailey um, and Crosby was surprising. I expected him to pull a move. Was kind of just pushed to the side by Grice. Um, so we got the win. And then the next game was against New Jersey. It was a 3-0 win. Um a good, good game, a uh, lot of physicality, um, nice goal um, from Nelson, and just good atmosphere, loads of New Jersey fans, um, l- lots of them in the building, but not, uh, the three games against Washington Islanders, not the most away fans I saw, um, so that was a good goal, Grice gets a shutout, um, and he did well on that one, and then we moved to the night after, the Rangers against Buffalo, um, as a neutral, Um what a building Madison Square Garden is. As as much as, as we speak now, the Islanders are playing the Rangers, 
Um, the Battle of New York it is a phenomenal building. It is one of the meccas of sport to, to watch anything in that building. 22 odd thousand how many it holds and it was full. Um, and the noise was was fantastic. Um, and if it weren't for the King, um, New York weren't winning that because Buffalo were all over them. Um, and as a goal to see him make a goal line save was was something you know very special. Um, and then you had the night after, which the final game was Islanders uh, Montreal. It was the game that had the most away fans in the thousands. Could not believe. I was told that you expect a fair few uh, uh, rouge blanche bleu shirts. There were loads of them, absolute loads of them. Couldn't believe it. And I, I had to laugh because they started the chant of Allez the Habs, and I I thought as, as the uh, the resistance of the Tomahawk Brigade got an international tour. I was expecting some form of anti tomahawk chant with the LA stuff. Um, but they were outstanding, their fans. Um, we got sat to next to a couple of them, and they were really good hockey people. Um, after the first period, Islanders should have destroyed them. By the end of by the time we got to overtime, Islanders were looking to be in overtime. Montreal just outstanding. Um, that went to six rounds of penalties, I think, um, and Montreal got the extra point. Um, but overall... It's very cheesy when you say there's a reason why you know it's the top league. Just, but just the, the element of skill and everything about it, from the goalies to the forwards to the D to the power play, PK, it's all the the bits you watch and we appreciate back home tenfold um, in the NHL. A friend of mine asked what it was like. I the best way to describe it, it was the elite league on speed times ten. Was the best way to describe it. It were just that fast. There were sometimes you'd be watching it and you're following the play. And out of nowhere, you've not even watched it, there's been a pass into the slot, shot goes in. And you're like, well, where's that gone? And you, you couldn't follow that, it was that quick. Um, so it was a superb experience. Um, and say so we've watched, we've all watched NHL on, on, on TV. Uh, and I know you've watched a pre-season game recently, Joe. Um, yeah. But it is, it's one of, one of the best hockey experiences I've had. Um, and the Barclays Centre is, is a good venue. It's not a hockey venue, but it's a good venue. Um, if anybody does go to watch an Islanders game, don't be prepared to drink a shed load of alcohol unless you're prepared to pay $17 a can, which at the current rate is about £13, £14 for a single can. And you're talking Labatt's. But the cool thing is it's got the logo on it. So, but, you know, overall, superb experience. Um, Let's say when we we all watch it, we spend many week many weekends watching the NHL. But to actually physically see it in the flash, it's uh, it's some sometimes, especially the Pittsburgh game, it reminds you why you fell in love with hockey. Everything everything good about the sport, the skill, the speed, the hits, and everything. It reminded you why you fell in love with the game. Yeah, it was uh, it was certainly similar when we went to see them. I know it's pre-season, but the, the the speed you don't get a picture of it when you're watching it on TV. Um, sitting there and watching it and the atmosphere the just the whole experience just engorges you you just kind of I, I, when we were sat watching the game there'd be times where I'd turn around to Jess and say you alright and she just looked spaced and I, I just, yeah I'm just taking everything in it's just the whole thing is just ridiculous it is I, yeah it is the Elite League times 10 and it, it's just crazy it really really is but Bringing it back, I'm conscious that we're probably close to the two-hour mark this week, so probably I imagine this is probably going to be our longest episode yet, but hopefully everybody's enjoying the content of the episode. Um, so, to wrap up, obviously, as we always do, we'll bring it back to domestic. Um, quickly, we'll whiz around everybody, just go around the fixtures from Friday to Sunday, just to see what everybody thinks is going to happen. Friday, Glasgow climb take on the Steelers. 
in Glasgow. It's the first game of a two-game Scottish road trip for the Steelers. Uh, Dave, who are we expecting to get a win for in that day? Steelers by three. Gref? I say Steelers by two. Andy? Uh, Steelers win by two as well. I'm going to go Steelers by three. I agree with you, Dave. I'll, I'll go with you so you're not on your own. Um, Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Sorry. Um, <laughs> then, Saturday the 17th of November, Cardiff versus the Nottingham Panthers. Certainly going to be an interesting game. Gref, where do we go with that one? I want to say Cardiff by one. Fair but, play. Uh, who knows? <laughs> Andy? And Nottingham by one. I'm going to go with a Cardiff win in overtime. Dave? Cardiff by two. Fair play. We'll try and dig you out on the last one so you're not on your own, but we'll... Uh, it's fine. <laughs> um, Coventry v Dundee in Coventry. Uh, Andy? Uh, Coventry. Dave? Coventry. Gref? Coventry. Yeah, we've got a full house on that one. I'm going to go Coventry as well. Um, Glasgow versus Milton Keynes, second home game in a row for Glasgow. Um, I'm going to go with a. I'm going to go with a Milton Keynes win on that one as well, but certainly one probably worth watching after the last game. Andy? Uh, I've, got, I've got to agree with you, Joe. Yeah, no, yeah, win for okay. Dave? I'll agree with you as well, so okay win. Griff, we're going to get a second full house. We are indeed, I'm going with MK as well. Sound. Um, we're going to start with Gref on the next one because we all know he's a homer and we all know what he's going to say. Uh, Manchester take on Guildford at home. Gref, who do you think is going to win that one? I think Guildford in all the time. It's baffled that Gref's actually said something that's not Storm. Dave? Guildford by two. Andy? Guildford by two, two. By two, two. <laughs> um, yeah uh, we've got a full house for Guildford I'm going to agree as well I'm going to say by two um, the second game of the two game Scottish road trip for the Steelers in Fife in Kakadi Fife v the Steelers um, Dave I'm going to go Steelers in overtime Andy um, I'm going to go Fife win I'm going to go Fife in overtime Greth I'm going to say five as well. And then, finally, Sunday, we have Panthers versus Fife in Nottingham. I'm going to say in Panthers then. Um, Gref, we'll go with you. I'll say Nottingham. I'm going to go five on that one. Dave? I'll join you in that one, uh, Joe. I'll go, I'll go five. Andy? I think five as well. Um, next up, possibly in my opinion, probably the most easy, the, probably the easiest out of the weekends to predict, um, Dundee v Cardiff. Um, let's have a look. This one is in Dundee. Uh, I'll kick it off because I'm saying that I'm going to go to Cardiff win. Dave. Um, Cardiff win. Griff. Cardiff win. Andy. A Cardiff win also. And another full house. Uh, in Milton Keynes, the MK Lightning take on Coventry Blaze. Um, Andy? 
I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Coventry. Griff? I'm gonna go with Andy and Coventry. I'm gonna go MK, I think they're getting a bit of uh, confidence about them at the moment. Dave? I'm not actually not on your own this time, I'll, I'll go MK. I, I must admit, I agree for the same reason as well. I think the confidence um, is starting to slowly get back and yeah, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, MK win. Uh, and then finally, um, Flames versus the Storm in Guildford. So the return, um, the return fixture, but obviously in the other barn. We'll go with you again, Greth, seeing as though it's Manchester. I'm going to go with Manchester win. Dave? Guildford by two. Andy? Sorry, Greth. Guildford by three. Ooh. I actually agree with you, Andy. I'm going to go Guildford by three as well. Mm. Um, so, that is the last of this week's games. Um, we apologise, because I do think we are probably closer to the two-hour mark today. Um, so we apologise if it has gone a little bit longer. Tell us what you think to, um, to the length of the podcast. Do you prefer the shorter episodes or do you prefer the longer episodes? Obviously, keep the feedback coming as a whole. Um, one last thing that I will say as a plug um, would be that all four of us are now fundraising for the British Heart Foundation as part of the UK charity All Stars. Um, we will tweet out from the MFZ podcast Twitter page and from my Fancy Zamboni podcast on Facebook. We will put out our Just Giving pages. So if you want to pick a random one, because the charity ain't going to help you try and decide who to donate to. If you do want to donate, but any donations would be very greatly received. We will be very thankful. Um, and it really is for a fantastic charity. I, I think we all thought we need to do something as a bit of a charity thing um, to try and get some funds in. And then I said podcast fundraiser type thing. I think we need to get our heads together um, and do something and uh, raise some money for a worthwhile cause. That sounds good to me. If you've got any, uh, any any suggestions as well, anybody that's listening that you want to see us do uh, and that you donate money for, do let us know. And if it's not too stupid, then we will do it. Don't, go. Save the effort. Don't mention waxing because it's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that brings us to a close this week. And so we will share those, um, those Just Giving pages around shortly on social media. But for now, it is the at MFZ podcast on Twitter. It is My Fancy Zamboni podcast on Facebook. Um, as we've said before, obviously we put all these episodes out on Anchor FM, but also they are available on Spotify, iTunes Podcasts and Google Podcasts as well. Um, keep the feedback coming, keep any questions that you want to ask us, we don't really have any this week, um, but we've not really asked on social media in fairness. But if you do have any questions, do let us know. Uh, but for now, Greth, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Pleasure as always. Andy, thank you very much, sir. Thank you again, lads. Cheers. Thank you. And Dave, good to see you back and thank you very much. Yeah, it was great to listen back up again. Um, thank you very much. And uh, thanks to everybody that's been watching, um, watching, listening even, to another episode of My Fancy Zamboni. Cheers. <laughs>